You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of naturopathic earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory from Holistic Health News and Naturopathic Earth Radio. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about an ominous stat that 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription medication. If you throw in recreational medications like weed and and psilocybin mushrooms and others, it's probably like 95% of adults over the age of 30. This is an ominous stat, and I see myself get a little apoplectic in this episode. I feel my Latino blood boiling in this episode because you know if any of you have been listening to this podcast since it started over two years ago, and if you peruse the episode titles, I have many that some would say are openly anti-Big Pharma, and they would be right. I mean, given given the name of the website is Naturopathic Earth and we embrace naturopathy, that would be an accurate assessment on how I feel about Big Pharma. We have past episodes on how big pharmaceutical companies have influenced medical schools with essentially with large bribes. We have past episodes on the side effects of Xanax. We have past episodes on the problems with antibiotics. We have past episodes on the problems with birth control pills and vaccines and so on and so on and so on. So look, if you want to have a great little primer, if you want to prime your own apoplexy to this outrage, then go back and listen to those episodes. So let's get to it because I just I just need to... I need to have a cathartic release. And uh, this study came out not that long ago, but studies show 70% of Americans take prescription drugs. Researchers find that nearly 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription drug and more than half receive at least two. Researchers from the Mayo Clinic, which of course is over in Rochester, Minnesota, it's one of our bastions of the sick care industry, a nonprofit medical and research center reports that antibiotics, antidepressants, and painkiller opioids are the most common prescriptions given to Americans. We'll come back to that. 20% of U.S. patients were also found to be on five or more prescription medications. I remember when I was younger, I used to work at an urgent care clinic, and I'd have to triage and check the patients in. And I remember I mean, even even if... You were maybe 50 or older, but certainly when the 70-year-olds would come in and I'd have to ask the question, what, what medications are you taking? They would they would have to pull out a list. The elderly people would have to, you know, partly it's because they have some form of dementia, but they would have a little piece of paper. They'd open it up and we'd take a photocopy of it because there were so many drugs they were on, like eight to 10 prescription drugs. And they don't get you know the side effects of one drug is going to cause the symptoms of the next drug. So what do you do? You take another pill to deal with the side effects of the first drug. It's a cascading effect. And then when you ask them why are you taking this drug? Why are you taking this? Why are you taking? I don't know. My doctor put it on me in 1982. 
Discernment, people. The study is uncovering valuable information to the researchers about U.S. prescription practices. Yeah, that big pharma are demons and Americans are sheeple. Quote, often when people talk about health conditions, they're talking about chronic conditions such as heart disease or diabetes, close quote. Dr. St. Saver stated in a Mayo Clinic press release. Oh, man. Your middle name is, is ST, period. However, the second most common prescription was for antidepressants. That suggests mental health is a huge issue and is something we should focus on. And what do you mean by focusing on that? Giving them more medications? You know, like Abilify? You know, we, we now give antipsychotic medications as a backup to antidepressants. So let's say you're on an SSRI or SNRI drug like Paxil, Prozac, Wellbutrin. And they'll be like, oh, you, and then you come back you know, a month later. Oh, it's not working? Let's put you on Abilify or Halidol. These were drugs we used to give people in the loony bin. But now we just give them as a backup antidepressant, even though there's no studies showing that they work like that. I mean, there's a reason why Abilify is nicknamed Zombilify, because it makes your mouth open and be a gap, and you're drooling all day on these drugs. But literally, I mean, that is one of the side effects. And the third most common drugs were opioids, which is a bit concerning considering their addicting nature. I love this guy, Mr. Dr. St. Sever. It's like the British understatement. It's a bit concerning. Yeah, I would say it's humongously concerning given that it's killing a many people, in particular middle-aged men. Nearly one in four women aged 50 to 64 were found to be on antidepressants. We'll go back to that. And 50, one in four, I'm surprised. I thought that number would be a lot higher. With 13% of the overall population on antidepressants, I am surprised that number is not way higher. 70% of people in the study were being prescribed antibiotics. We'll come back to that. And 13% were on painkilling opioids. But really, I mean, 13% were prescribed, but how many people are taking it off-label or legally? 50%. As a whole, women and older adults receive the most prescription drugs. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, part of that is just the older you get, your body's breaking down. Antidepressants and opioids were the most common among young and middle-aged adults. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know who's not on antidepressants, unfortunately, or, or anxiolytics, anti-anxiety drugs. The percentage of people who took at least one prescription drug in the past month increased from 44% in 1999 to 48% in 2007, the Mayo Clinic reports. Well, you know, big pharmacy commercials are working. Ask your doctor today about Zombilify. Ask your doctor today about... Fosamax. Remember when Sally Field used to do those commercials for, what was it, Fosamax or Beniva, one of the osteoporotic drugs, and then you, they put it off the market because it was so destructive. And then the classic is Vioxx, the old uh, the old uh, blood thinning drug that killed, what, 50,000 Americans before they took it off the market? Even though they had studies beforehand knowing that it was going to kill people, but they still put it on the market because that is the revolving door at the FDA. Expenditures on prescription drugs reached $250 billion in 2009. 2009. Imagine what it is now. And accounted for 12% of total personal health care expenditures. According to the CDC, the percent of persons using at least one prescription drug in the past month increased nearly 50% between 2007 and 2010. And the researchers said prescription drug spending will only increase in the future. Really? Shocking. Okay. Here's my take. And you know you know my take's not going to be a good take here. Are we surprised that 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription medication? Uh, I, I don't think we are. 
Uh, I think to a certain extent, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode because it's so alarming, but it's not shocking at all, right? It's not. It's like saying uh, the, the demographic that watches NFL is middle-aged and younger adults who drink a lot of beer, right? I mean, look at all the beer commercials during the NFL. I mean, this this is concerning for a lot of reasons. I think, oh, I don't even know where to start here. Look, prescription drugs. Big Pharma likes to malign natural remedies and botanical science, right? If you go to the apothecary and all that stuff like that. But, of course, what you what you might not know is they extracted the active ingredients in those roots and plants to get the drugs they have today. And then they go back and lambast and malign the the belief behind botanical science to, of course, get people to think it's quackery so they can have the monopoly on the treatment of diseases. So a good example is aspirin, right? Aspirin comes from the willow tree. Opium, uh, you know, morphine, not a big fan of morphine, but morphine, of course, has helped a lot of people throughout human history, comes from the poppy seed, the, 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 uh, the opium, the opium plant, right? So, I mean, we need botanical science, but Big Pharma takes the active ingredients and then says, oh, botanical science is quite Take our drugs, take our drugs, take our drugs. And so people with low discernment, we like to call what low information voters, they just take medications without even thinking. I mean, part of this has to do with how a lot of Americans still think their doctors are gods, right? And we've talked about how doctors are only as good as what they're taught. And medical schools only focus, we have an episode on this, on botanical science and clinical nutrition for six months in medical school uh, out of the, the four years that they're there. And the rest of it, a lot of it's on pharmacology. Why is it? Because big pharma comes in and gives a lot of grants to medical schools. So the medical schools feel beholden or any, you know, the best influenced by them to have the curriculum be a little more pharmaceutical based. Plus you have all the agents and reps and doctors that come and speak to the med students during medical school. And it's just, and part of it's just the American ethos that we're, we're lazy people. Now we just want to pop a pill, right? We just want to, we, it's like, we don't want to make the connection. I've talked about this before. You know, we all think when we hit 60, 65, there's a disease fairy that comes and sprinkles disease on us. Oh, you're going to get rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, you're going to get a heart attack. Oh, you're going to get pancreatic cancer. No, it's lifestyle choices. So we Americans eat crap. We eat the standard American diet, which is full of, what's it full of? Refined sugars. It's full of gluten, genetically modified food, food dyes, monosodium glutamate. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's low nutrition, high calorie, middle aisle of the grocery store processed crap. And then we're eating this, plus we're drinking alcohol, we're smoking, now we're vaping, and then we wonder when we hit 40, 45, oh, I'm obese. Oh, look, I have type 2 diabetes. Oh, what? now I have the metabolic syndrome. That means I have, what, high cholesterol now and hypertension too? Oh, I guess the only way I treat this, you know, father doctor, how do I treat this father doctor? Oh, we, the only way to treat it is prescription drugs. Oh, let's put you on a, a tenolol for your your hypertension. Let's put you on Crestor for your cholesterol. And let's put you on metformin for your diabetes. Okay, thank you, father doctor. And you're going to be taking this for 40 years till you drop dead. And you'll probably drop dead partly because of these medications and their adverse effects. Okay, Father Doctor. You know, it's like there's like no freaking discernment, people. Are you sheeple? Are you sheeple? 
Ask your doctor today about the benefits. I mean, you, just because you see a commercial, I mean, do you not know advertising's job is to make you feel innately insecure to make you buy their product? Women should be more attuned to this than anybody, given that they can what they can constitute eighty percent of consumer spending in America. Look at the mall, right? Shoes, makeup, clothes. It's all about women. Women buy women. You know, women. You you you're nothing. You're ugly unless you you spray this perfume. Now you'll be beautiful, and all the men will want you. Or you got to buy these heels, this makeup. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, commercials' jobs are to make you feel bad. I mean, look at beer commercials during football games, right? It's always the schlubby guy with the hot wife. Say, so if you drink Coors, you're you, even though you're schlubby, you're gonna have a hot wife. I mean, wake up, people! You're being manipulated by advertising. So just because you see a big pharma commercial during the nightly news, ask your doctor today about effects. Or if, are you feeling depressed? Oh, I guess I'll go ask my doctor. Hey, doctor, I saw this commercial for Effexor where the girl was really sad and was in, in a dark room and looked depressed with sad music. But then as soon as she took Effexor, the music changed and then she was outside. And, you know, now she had a, a good looking husband and beautiful kids and she was skipping in slow motion on the beach. I want to take that drug. I mean, people, come on. God. Look, there is a connection. If we eat well when we're younger and try to stay in shape. Uh, we're we're going to kind of stymie or keep at bay a lot of these these chronic conditions that affect us and, and eventually kill us. Cancer being one of them. Cancer is caused by lifestyle choices. I don't care what you hear. It's not, you know, partly it's age, but most of the time, if things we eat like high sugar diet contributes to cancer, greater chance of cancer, alcohol, smoking, right? We know this. Obesity. So, I mean, if we, if we keep a modicum of health and, uh, you know, we exercise and, and, and do other things, stay away from environmental toxins like EMF, right? electromagnetic radiation from phones, um, you know, we have a better chance. Scented candles, stay away from those puppies, right? We have past episodes on all these things. So we're less likely to get on these drugs. And, and the thing that's frustrating is that people have such low discernment. They don't understand. They don't read the inserts that, oh, well, if I take contraceptives, I have a high rate of breast cancer. And blood clots? No, but I'll still take it. Oh, if I'm on this antidepressant, I have a higher chance of shooting myself in the head. Suicidal ideation, it's in the inserts, right? We don't read the inserts. Nobody would just pop the pill, pop the pill, trust the doctor, trust the doctor who was went to a corrupt medical school. Trust everybody, trust everybody. And so now we're in this situation. I mean, let's go through, the, let's go through these main drugs. Okay, antibiotics, right? We know, what, what do antibiotics do? They destroy your microbiome. It might take minimum two years to restore your microbiome in your gut when you take an antibiotic. It just destroys the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. Okay, now, and we know that many times antibiotics are prescribed for viruses. So you people go in and now, you know, you see with the children, right? I have an ear infection. I have a sinus infection. I have a throat infection. Oh, here's an antibiotic, right? They don't even know if it's a bacterial part. They're, they're not sending the your, your, your whatever, your, your sample to get it cultured to see if it is an if it's a bacteria and what kind of bacteria it is. Oh, we just go to urgent care, family doctor. Oh, here's an here's an antibiotic. Now we're going to get antibiotic resistant, and our microbiome is being destroyed, which opens us up to a host of problems in our gut and other where other places. High rate of being obese. Go back to that episode about giving your kids antibiotics at young age it makes them more likely to become fat. It's a major problem. All right, I'm not saying we need to get rid of antibiotics because they have saved lives. Thanks, Alexander Fleming. You know, I'm not saying get rid of those, but that's a major problem. Let's keep going here. Let's look at uh, opioids, right? Opioids, you see now big pharmaceutical companies getting sued and they're having to make these humongous payouts, which they should, which they should, because they market these drugs. You have some guy slips off of his roof. He has back pain. He gets an opioid like Vicodin. 
He gets hooked on it because they make you feel really good and loopy and they're habit forming. And then they go back, oh, here's another prescription, here's another prescription, you know. And and then they and these these companies have been caught openly trying to push these drugs on people, knowing that they're habit forming. Fentanyl. I mean, look at I me, mean, I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. I mean, this is this is in the American zeitgeist right now. It's a major problem. So now you have all these people hooked on opioids. Now they're taking morphine and heroin on the street. And a lot of them end up dying because of it, or they shoot themselves in the freaking head. Okay? And I'm glad Big Pharma is being responsible for this. But you know who else should be responsible for this? And these people can never be sued. The doctors, right? Why aren't the doctors being held accountable for overprescribing opioids and vaccines, right? If your kid has an adverse effect to a vaccine, let's say they get Guillain-Barre and they have permanent neurological problems, you know that you can never sue the big pharmaceutical company or your doctor if your kid has some adverse reaction to the vax, right? Reagan passed this back in like 1986. You can't. You can go to the vaccine compensation court, which is a joke. You're going to end up spending $200,000 in legal fees to get maybe $200,000 of money in a one-time hit. But if your kid has severe neurological problems, you know, $200,000 ain't going to do much, especially after you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees. Okay, but there's no there's no accountability for these doctors, right? And I did this with my kids when 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 my kids had to go in to get their vaccines. I said, okay, look, you're pushing me to get these drugs for my kids. I want you to sign this form that says that if my kids have an adverse effect, you're going to be responsible. Of course, they wouldn't sign it. Of course, they're not going to sign it. Right? Antidepressants, man, we've spent so much time on antidepressants. I mean, it, look, it's human to be depressed sometimes. Okay, now the DSM. We'll say that clinical depression is is two weeks, prolonged two weeks, and there's other criteria. You have to satisfy five of other ten criteria, which I really don't have the time to spend on right now. You know, I sleep a little too much. I sleep a little too little. I eat too much. I eat too little. Like they make the criteria so vague because remember, psychiatrists don't get paid if they can't bill, if they can't code. So the old joke about psychiatrists is that if you you can go in have perfect mental health, but their paradigm is that everybody has a mental illness and it's just a question of finding it. So you never go into a shrink's office and come out without a diagnosis of something because they can't bill you. There's no code for mental health free, right? Free mental health. You, you're, you're fine. So they're going to find a way to bill you. They'll find something wrong with you. And then they put you on these super strong psychotropic drugs. And I've already talked about antidepressants or habit forming. You try to get off of them. Let's say your dog dies. You, you get on them from your your OBGYN prescribes it, right? Like it's something like only 30% of Americans get psychotropic drugs, psychiatric drugs from a psychiatrist. The rest of them get them from family doctors and OBGYNs. So you go for your pap smear. How are you doing, Debbie? Oh, I'm a little sad. My dog died. Oh, here here is an extremely strong drug that I know nothing about because I didn't focus on pharmacology because I was too busy learning how to do pap smears and birthing babies. But here, here's this prescription. So now, now Debbie's on the antidepressant. After a little while, she realizes her dog died. It's okay because dogs die all the time, and she wants to move on. She wants to get off the antidepressants, but now she can't because now she has a you know shooting pain going down her arm. When she tries to get off these drugs, she's shivering all the time. She, the withdrawal effects are horrible, so she stays on the antidepressant for the rest of her life because it's too hard to get off of it. Not to mention the typical side effects of weight gain, sexual dysfunction, suicidal and homicidal ideation, anxiety. Oh, you have anxiety? Let's just put you on Ativan or Xanax, right? It's frustrating, people. It's really frustrating 
and I'm mad at Big Pharma, but look, you can, it, it's like you can only be so mad at a dog who wants to bite your hand, right? If you put your hand out there on a strange dog, they're going to bite your hand. So how mad can we really get at Big Pharma and the FDA? Because the FDA is run by Big Pharma execs, right? It's the revolving door. Go back to that episode. So we really can't get bad at Big Pharma because they are truly the devil. So who, who should we get mad at? You know who we should get mad at? You. The common people, the common people, because you're lazy. When you get your high cholesterol, okay, when you get your diabetes type 2, you only have yourself to blame. Look in the mirror. Look, when I get my cancer, which is upcoming, I probably already have it coursing somewhere through my body right now. I just don't have the symptoms for it. I only have myself to blame. Go to Confessions of an Obese Child, my 50-episode podcast about growing up fat and with eating disorders. I, I, oh, it's my fault. I destroyed my body for 40 years. So when I get whatever disease I'm going to get, I look in the mirror. It's my fault. You got to look in the mirror. It's your fault. Look, if you have high cholesterol, hypertension, it's your fault because you ate crap food. Let's be honest with ourselves. We ate crap food. Yes, big pharma, I'm sorry, big food uses food porn to get us to eat fast food. They put addictive ingredients in our food like MSG to get us to go. But still, ultimately, we're responsible for what we put in our mouth. Yes, a lot of us had abuse when we were a kid. A lot of us are, are dealing with with addiction and so forth, which makes us more prone to drinking too much and eating too much and gambling and shopping too much. I have that episode on, on shopping addiction. But ultimately, it's our responsibility to do the deep work and go to therapy and get this fixed because nobody cares about your health but you. A big pharma doesn't care about your health. Your doctor doesn't care about your health. Your doctor just looks at your chart right before he opens the door to say hi to you, Debbie. Okay. You have a responsibility to your children, right, to try to eat well so you can live as long as you can. So really, it's your fault. So look, when you get high cholesterol, why don't you just Google-fy natural ways to lower your cholesterol or lower your blood pressure, right? So what, what, what are you going to find? Cinnamon. Who doesn't like cinnamon? Dark chocolate, high percentage dark chocolate. Who doesn't like dark chocolate? Blueberries. Who doesn't like blueberries? I mean, these are natural ways to treat these things. Go to that episode on, on how you can reverse type 2 diabetes in six months, right? But again, that requires self-restraint and discipline, and most Americans today don't have that. So they'd rather just take metformin and then quote-unquote control their diabetes, which ultimately results in them getting their foot cut off, having their kidneys shut down, and they have to do dialysis, going blind, or getting a heart attack, right? I mean, those are the side effects of diabetes. So look, I mean... I don't mean to be hard on you on one level, but I do mean to be hard on you because ultimately we're responsible for our health and we know that big food, big farmer are evil to the core and they don't give a damn about our health. And you have to wake up, take the red pill, unhook yourself, get off the matrix and realize that these companies are not caring about you. They only care so much about you just to the point to get money from your wallet. And unfortunately, the politicians, the whores, the lobbyists over there in Washington, they're all bought off so you can't trust them. You can't trust the commercials, of course, right? So who can you trust? I mean, not not a lot of people. I mean, look, even on social media, you, you've seen what they've done the last few months on anti-vaxxers, right? I mean, they're 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 blocking all the anti-vaxxer literature, and soon soon you're going to see that with all natural remedies and so forth, because again. These people, social media, I mean, don't, don't even, we have episodes on that, how they data mine, how they use all that, how we're just essentially the customer. See, anytime an app is free, it's not free because everything you put in, of course, is sent and sold to data miners. 
and to other companies that use that stuff. So we're in a quandary, people. Our country's falling apart on so many levels. And I know some of you liberals are not going to believe it. Oh, our country's getting better. Or no, see, see, our country was getting better when, when, when Clinton and Obama were in office, but when Bushes and the Trumps are in office, now it's falling apart. But as soon as Joe Biden, the demented Joe Biden, the gropey Joe Biden gets elected, oh, America's good again now. America's getting better. No, America's been in decline for about 60 years, minimum 60 years, morally, I mean, in every level, right? I mean, our kids are going to be the, the first generation to have a shorter life expectancy than the previous generation. On every freaking level, I think you know deep to your core that our country is falling apart. And it's neither here nor there. Look, okay, so we're on too many medications. What's my advice to you? Well, uh, if you're young, try to take care of your body as well as you can where you don't need to be on prescription drugs. If you go to the doctor later on and you find out that you do have you know, some of the chronic stuff like arthritis or you have... Uh, some problems with your uh, your GI system, you know. Why don't you Why don't you do some research and maybe try some probiotics? Why don't you try some acupuncture? Why don't you try some natural remedies uh, to to remedy these problems? We have episodes on insomnia. Why don't you try natural biohacks for insomnia? Why don't you try cryo? Why don't you try infrared saunas? Why don't you just reverse your diet, exercise more, and see if that works? Remember the the. The, the kind of the mission statement of naturopathic earth is that drugs should be the last resort. I'm not saying there isn't a place for drugs. Certainly for acute situations, life or death situations. We, we, I don't want you going to a naturopath when you got shot in the stomach by a bullet, right? Oh, let me give you some witch hazel with the lizard's tongue. That'll cure you. No, I mean, you're going to go to the hospital for that. You need to be taking the drugs and surgery. But for the things that are that are maligning and afflicting us in America, most of them can be thwarted or maybe resolved uh, with with naturopathic stuff first. So like drugs should be the last resort, not the first, guys. Not the first. Don't be in the statistic. If any of you right now are just taking it for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, try to get off of them and try to treat it naturally. Understand too, with high blood pressure, they've lowered what's considered normal in the last 25 years used to be 140 over 90. Systolic over diastolic was considered normal. Now it's 120 over 80. Have you thought that maybe Big Pharma has influenced the American Medical Association to get that number lower because they know it's almost impossible to have 120 over 80 if you're over the age of 20? So now when you're 128 over you know, 89, you go to the doctor, oh, you're moderately hypertensive. We need to put you on Diavan. So look, try to treat things naturally and only use drugs as the ultimate last resort. Anytime you get an infection, why don't you wait a couple days to see if your immune system's going to knock it out before you take the antibiotic because chances are your immune system will knock it out, especially if you biohack your immune system. We have an episode on how to do that. And with antidepressants, look, guys, sunlight, exercise, talking to people. These are all ways you can biohack your depression, mild to moderate depression, Go do things. That go do those first before you're put on the strong psychiatric drugs. All right, guys. The website's Naturopathic Earth. Go check it out. We have tons of articles that are similar to these podcast episodes. Plus, we have about 200 food articles, food recipes that are gluten-free, dairy-free, but not taste-free. If you want to support the podcast, go buy Confessions of an Obese Child, my ebook for $2.99 on Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble Nook. It's a great read. Also, you can click on Patreon or PayPal Me, our crowdfunding resources and donate be generous another way you can help us out is when you go to the articles the food recipe articles click on the amazon pictures and anything you buy on amazon within 24 hours we get a two percent commission no expense to you 
If you want some one-on-one coaching, click on the link for Clarity FM, and we can do some one-on-one coaching on weight loss, weight management. If you're new to the episodes here, I, I lost over 100 pounds and I've kept it off for 28 years, so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to weight loss management. So we can do that, a little one-on-one coaching for a dollar a minute. And if you don't know, we got three podcasts in the naturopathic family. We have the Essential Oils and Herbal Apothecary, Confessions of an Obese Child, and of course this one. So please check them all out, subscribe to all of them, and post an honest review and share it with other people. All right, guys, God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth. Buy the Confessions of an Obese Child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE. Let food be thy medicine. Let nature be thy healer. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.